So uh, the school year has started now, and um, vacations are done. We had a really good vacation in my family. Uh, we went to Colorado, and we got to do that. This is our second summer in a row going to Colorado. It was so good to get out of the heat, to have fun with some extended family, uh, do some family hikes and bike rides, and all sorts of fun stuff. But I had a problem on this vacation. And the problem is that my phone here started not holding a charge very well. And this wasn't a surprise on the vacation. This actually started a couple months before the vacation. It, I have a two-year-old phone, and you guys just know how it is, right? Your phone gets to that point where it doesn't make it through the day, and so you got to carry a charger with you and plug it in while you're finishing work, uh, when you get home maybe, so you can make it through the night of texting friends and finishing Wordle before the end of the day and all that, all that good stuff. Um, and my phone was getting to that point. It is what it is. It's a part of having a phone. I'm not quite ready to replace it yet. Phones are kind of pricey, and it's working well other than that. So I figured I would get something to help it. Uh, I found a, an external battery pack that can charge my phone two or three times over, and I figured this is going to be really helpful, especially on a vacation. Because while we're going about doing all these activities, and I need my phone for navigating and for uh, figuring out um, where my family is, and for taking pictures of kids and everything that is good on a vacation. Um, I could plug my phone in and just keep it in my pocket or in a backpack. And that would have worked really well, but at the same time my battery was starting to not do so well, my charging port was also not starting to do so well. And my phone got to that point where I had to like spend a minute wiggling it in the right angle, and then I, I could get it charging, and I would set it down and, oh, Oh, it's charging. So someone texted me. I would like look at my watch and be like, I, don't, I can't text them back because then it won't charge. And so as you can imagine, if you have an external battery and you're trying to carry that around in a backpack or a pocket, it's not going to charge if your phone's having that problem. And then I had an even another problem. Um, on the vacation, um, as we are you know, doing things and I'm trying to charge it and like, how much time do I have before we go to that thing because I need my phone? Um, my phone tells me how long until it has a full charge, and usually it's like hour and a half, maybe two hours, like charging is pretty fast today. Maybe I've gotten spoiled, but my phone started telling me it was going to take 15 or 16 hours to charge, <laughs> and I don't, I don't even get half that much sleep most nights. I don't know how this is going to work. So my phone was kind of useless. Like we drove there, we drove to Colorado, and I could not get my phone to be still enough in the car to charge. So we used we used Tracy's phone, and a number of times we were getting ready to go somewhere, and I realized it's like 20% or less, and like, oh no, I'm going to leave my phone here in charge, and hopefully someone else has a phone, and you know, other people had phones, but I was frustrated, because my phone is very useful. It does a lot of things, but it's not very useful if it doesn't have a power source, right? And and we actually have a name for that. We, we say that it died. When it totally runs out of power, it died. My phone died. We are doing a series called Deep and Wide. We're talking about the full picture of the Christian faith. Tom talked about what that looks like last week to kind of cast a vision for where we're going. And we believe that we're a church that's called to grow deep in Christ and grow wide on mission to the world. And while sometimes we might feel like we have to pick or choose, like, are we going to go deep or are we going to go wide? We're a church that is called to both, and we want the full picture of that Christian faith, of that life with Jesus, uh, part of the body of Christ. So 
Uh, as we're talking about how we're going to grow deep and how we're going to grow wide, we first have to address where does our growth come from? What is the source that allows us to grow? Because if we set out to try to start growing deep and growing wide, but we don't have a power source, we're, we're going to be kind of like Thomas's phone where the battery ran out, there's not a good way to charge it, and it's just kind of useless. We don't want to have a useless faith. And so we're going we're to look at this today. Where is our source for growing deep and wide as people who follow Jesus? Um, would you pray with me? And then we're going to get into some scripture. Lord, we love you. We're thankful to be here today. Uh, we're thankful to be in your presence and to worship you with our church family and with others that follow you. Come and fill us up. Come and teach us from your word and show us, Lord, where our source is. Show us how we can be connected to a power source that does not run out. I pray that you would fill us up uh, as much as is possible and that you would set us in a direction for this journey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we have two scriptures we're going to look at today. One is an Old Testament scripture and one a New Testament scripture. Both of them have to do with both the need for a source and then they point a little bit to what is that source and how do we connect? So that's what we're going to try to do today. The first scripture is Psalm 1, the first psalm in the Psalter. There's 150 psalms. This is the first one, and it is, it is a great psalm. It also, it starts with the Beatitudes. So you, if you didn't get enough of those this summer in our series that went through the Beatitudes, um, happy are those, or blessed are those, who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path that sinners tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not wither, and all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This psalm uh, really starts the whole book of Psalms by setting out a choice. You can follow the way that leads to life, or you can follow the way that leads to being like chaff blown in the wind. I think that's the way that leads to Thomas's dead cell phone. I mean, the way that leads to death. Um, the way that leads to life, it says uh, that that happens when you don't follow the way of sinners, but de- when your delight is in the law of the Lord. And I got to just say real quick that the law, that word is actually Torah. It doesn't mean rules. It, this isn't saying that if you just really be really good and follow all the rules, you'll have a full and blessed life. It's actually saying if you make your heart's desire the instruction of God, which is the way that leads to life, um, that's commonly what it's referred to throughout the Old Testament, um, then, then you will be blessed. You'll experience blessing. And then what I really love about this psalm is it paints a picture for us, a picture of what it looks like to be connected to a source of life. And here's here's the picture in my mind. The tree planted by a stream of water. It yields fruit in its season, its leaves do not wither, and it always prospers. 
a cypress tree by the Frio River or some other good Texas river. That's what I think of when I think of a tree planted by streams of water. I was talking to Pastor Stella earlier this week about this scripture, and she pointed out something I didn't think about, but it's, it makes it even better. You know, a cypress tree isn't just planted near a river. It stands in the water, right? The roots, like, go down over the bank. That, that's part of what makes cypress trees so cool. Um, it is so connected to its source of life, to that river, it is standing in it. So the question for us, you know, this is an image that's supposed to show us something. We want to be like that tree, or the psalm's trying to get us to want to be like that tree. I don't know about you. I want to be like that tree. I want to go stand in the Frio River. I want to be that connected to the source of life. So how do we do that? What is our source of life? Um, I, a weekend at the Frio is good, but I think there's an even deeper source of life for us. Jesus talks about this in a very similar analogy uh, in John 15. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. And pruning, just pruning, if you, if you know, if you, if you try to prune your own bushes or, tr- or you trim your trees or anything like that, it's shaping a plant for future growth right? It's shaping it so it has an ideal setup to continue growing. That's what pruning is. You have already been cleansed. Um, that, that is also the same word, comes from the same word that pruning comes from. You've been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. And so Jesus is telling his disciples that uh, they're a part of this analogy because they have already been pruned, shaped for ideal growth, um, and they're connected to him, the true vine. And then he goes on, And he tells them that basically that's not enough. There's something else. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me, you can do nothing. Just like when my phone is disconnected from a power source, it's useless. It can't do anything. This this passage has a a number of uh, really important things for us to consider. And so I want to kind of lay those out. The question I asked at the beginning was, what is our deep source of life and how do we connect to it? Here's, Here's what this passage is saying. Jesus is the source of our deep life. Okay, Jesus is the source of our deep life. We know this because Jesus says he is the vine. And the vine in, in a grape vineyard, it's not the part that dangles and hangs and grows like that. It's the part that's connected to the ground, right, with the roots. It's the part that has the, the good nutrients coming through it from the soil. Um, the vine is the source of life. If any grapes are going to grow, it's got to come off of that. It can't come out of nowhere. So Jesus is the vine, and he's saying that he is the source of deep life. And in case you're wondering if I misunderstood, there are a few other places where Jesus claims that he is our source of deep life. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the... Just making sure y'all are awake. No one comes to the Father except through me, because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. He's the source of of us experiencing a fullness of life. And in a different way, a few chapters earlier, John 10, 10, he says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have, 
you're getting a little better, and have it abundantly. Jesus came so we could have life, and he wants us to know that he is the source of that life. Now, Jesus is not just saying that he has some occasional good teachings that we can pay attention to sometimes when it's convenient for us. He says that it's something even more than what he's teaching, that he is the source of life itself for us. Jesus is our source of deep life. Well, that leads us to our next big point. The next big point is that if Jesus is the source of life, we only access this deep life by staying connected to Jesus. Something that occurred to me um, as I was studying this passage this week is Jesus is teaching this to his disciples who walked with him for three years. They would probably say at that point, they were very connected to Jesus, right? They were following him everywhere. They gave up jobs and careers and homes and everything. And Jesus is teaching them about him being the thing they need to stay connected to right before he leaves. I wonder if the disciples ever struggled with that. If they were ever like, man, Jesus, it was just a lot easier when you were here. I felt so connected. I wonder if they had to learn, just like we have to learn, how to stay connected to Jesus. Jesus tells them that if they're going to produce fruit, uh, they can't do that just by trying hard, just by trying to follow all the rules or look like a good person. You can't make it look like you're a really fruitful vineyard, but not really be a fruitful vineyard. But if they're going to produce fruit, they have to stay connected to Jesus. There's this word that he uses, abide. Abide or remain. And the, the thing that I think Jesus wants us to know is we can't just connect to him occasionally. We can't just connect to him initially. Yeah, I was baptized. I'm good. I got that connection. Or yeah, every once in a while I go on a retreat. Every couple of years I have a Jesus high and then I ride that for a few years. That abide, that stay connected, remain, he's talking about a constant connection. And what's really cool, uh, he says, abide in me as I abide in you. Jesus, abide in us. What, what does that mean? This is actually kind of where we get the, like, Jesus lives in our heart. And more, maybe a, a more theologically robust way to think about that is the life of Jesus starts to live in us when we are connected to Jesus because the Holy Spirit gets planted in us, right? And that is the source of life. We need a constant connection with Jesus. We've been reminded of the importance of staying connected to our source of life um, by the weather this summer, I think. Anyone have grass in their yard they've been trying to keep alive for this hot, dry, dusty summer? And, and then the rain a week and a half ago when it started in, in my house, I don't know about y'all, I checked last night, we've had five inches since a week and a half ago. And I think two of those were last night. It was like, it was really coming down, but my grass is loving it. But I spent most of the summer trying to get the grass on the left side of my driveway, the bulk of our front yard to grow and not die. I knew that with the hot weather and with the little rain, uh, we, we didn't have rain for I don't know how many days, but it was a lot, uh, the grass was going to suffer because it didn't have the source of life. Grass needs water. So we don't have automatic sprinklers in my house, so I would you know, get the, the hose-in sprinkler, try to make sure I'm following the city of Austin water days, and you got to water like after 7 p.m., before 10 a.m., only two days a week, um, try to make sure I'm adjusting my sprinkler so that it hits all of the yard, right? Those corners are especially tricky. 
And, uh, and then it got so hot that twice a week just wasn't cutting it, which means I got to get out there with, my, with the hose and spray it down. I'm like, man, grass, you are going to make it. It's going to be okay. Give it a little pep talk, but really what it needed, it needed some water. It needed water, the source of life. I am proud to announce that my grass has made it. And I even, I took a picture to show you how alive this beautiful grass is. Ta-da! Something about uh, lush, rich, uh, very thick St. Augustine grass just gets me excited. It might be that I grew up in a desert and, and so, like, Texas grass was always just a dream. Um, I'll be doing the Christian lawn care class right after this also. <laughs> I know you're all wanting that now. But I need to be honest with you. That is one part of my front yard. And on the other side of my driveway, there is another part of front yard. It's a part of front yard that gets far less shade. It's in the baking sun all the time. And it's a shared yard, which means like part of it is mine, part of it's my neighbor's. It's always a little bit ambiguous how much is mine and how much responsibility I have to water. You guys know how this is, right? Surely I'm not the only one. I might water the good yard where I want my kids to be able to play and where we you know, want to be able to put an Adirondack chair out and hang out in the nice grass. But at the end of watering at night, I might look at my watch and say, man, it's, I'd rather go to bed. I don't think I'm going to water that other side of my yard. Or maybe my neighbor will water it this time, right? I mean, there's always that like wondering thought or maybe it'll rain unexpectedly because it always, it always rains right after I water. Maybe if I don't water, I can save my money and it'll rain. And then partway through the summer, you start seeing the water bill creep up and you're like, I don't know if it's worth it. I think it's cheaper to sod. We'll just resod. And and, and then my hose sprung a leak, so it wouldn't even actually reach all the way over to that side of the yard because I needed an extension. But anyways, my point is half the yard I did not water. It was disconnected from the source of life. And here's what it looked like at the end of the summer. I took both of these pictures this week. This is after three inches of rain in a week. And you can see some green. It's trying to grow. And folks, it's just not coming back, like not quickly. That was thick green grass at the beginning of the summer, at the end of the spring, and it's gone. Occasional watering every three months apparently does not work. But I think, I think the same is true for us, right? Which do you want to be? Do you want to be the thick, beautiful St. Augustine on the left? Or do you want to be Thomas's side yard? Don't, don't be Thomas's side yard. And we have some of the same struggles, right? I don't have time. Um, maybe someone else will do it for me. Um, I don't know. It's pretty, that sounds pretty costly. That might cost too much. Um, well, I could distract myself with other things, right? If we want to have access to the deep life, we need a constant connection. And that's the point. Not an occasional connection. So here's the last question is, how do we do that? And here's the key. We stay connected with Jesus by growing our relationship with Jesus. Now, there are a million things that it's easy to prioritize in front of this. And I realize that. We could easily focus on filling our head with good Christian information and call it growing, right? And we could easily sign up for service activity after service activity, volunteer opportunity, and put ourselves to work for the kingdom and say, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm growing wide. But growing deep and wide 
cannot happen in a sustained way unless we're first connected to the source. we got to be connected to Jesus. One of the commentators I was reading called it intimate fellowship with Jesus. So we do that by spiritual practices. Some people call these spiritual disciplines. Uh, for some, that's a term that, that has negative connotations. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, he called this means of grace. Or in another way, he used uh, conduits of God's grace. If you want to take that analogy and imagine the sap traveling up the trunk of the vine to the branch, right? A conduit that makes a pathway for God's grace to get to us. The way we encounter God and nurture that relationship with Jesus is by spending time with Jesus. Now, there's two things I want you to know when we start talking about spiritual practices. Uh, I think they're important to mention. One, most Christians I know, when I talk to them about their spiritual practices, if they're willing to talk about that, people feel a lot more guilt and shame than feeling like they're doing it right. I think most of us just feel like, I'm probably not doing as good as I could. Um, And I think... It's important to know we're not bringing this up to make anyone feel guilty or shameful. What we really want to do is we want to acknowledge what we need, remind ourselves, because we need a reminder, right? I need a reminder. And then we just need to take a little step forward. It's one step at a time that it happens. That leads me to my second point. In my experience with spiritual practices, there are different practices that are useful at different seasons of life. You may have experienced a lot of growth at one point through a certain practice, but there's probably going to come a point where that becomes dry and stale and just doesn't work as much as well as it used to. And it's important to reconsider those practices. Um, for me, I, starting off uh, in my relationship with Christ, Bible study was a big thing at first because all these uh, Bible verses and books that I had heard about growing up, I, when I actually started to study them seriously, they were life-giving to me. It was so good. But at some point, I had to kind of turn my attention to developing more of a prayer life. That relationship with Jesus was a lot more important for giving me life. When I was in seminary, and I was trying to go to seminary while working full-time here, what I didn't need was another Bible study or hours of prayer time. What I really needed, I realized partway through seminary, I needed time for solitude and journaling so I could be aware of what God was doing in my life. Right. So different practices are helpful for different seasons. Just the other day, I was listening to a podcast on uh, centering prayer. Centering prayer is like a Christian form of meditation where you don't try to productively pray for anything, but you sit in solitude and silence and you enjoy being with Jesus. Whenever something comes into your mind, uh, you, you kind of focus your mind back again by having a simple prayer that you pray. Maybe, Jesus, you are enough. Maybe, Jesus, you are my life, something like that. And I'm listening to a podcast about this guy talk about centering prayer, and I'm just thinking, man, that sounds like not very efficient. Like, I could do so much with my time, and I don't know if I, ah, surely I should not do that. And then I realized, oh, no, that's exactly what I need. And sometimes it's that thing that's a little scary that is exactly what we need that grows us. So God's been growing me through centering prayer. That's the practice that I need for this next season. I'm pretty convinced. And so far what I've learned is I have a long way to go. I got a long way to go, but that's okay. With my cell phone, I did figure out the 
the root of the problem. After a lot of uh, trying a lot of chargers at home uh, and all of them not working, I assumed it wasn't the charger, I tried cleaning out the, the charging port. I looked up Reddit threads and different blogs on how to fix your, your phone when it does this and ultimately decided before I replace it, I'm going to give it one more shot. I'm going to just order a new charger. That charger came in yesterday and my phone charged so fast yesterday, you guys. So, so what, it, what it really needed, and I feel silly, it needed a new charger. It had been time. Sometimes, like my phone, we need a new charger. We need a new spiritual practice. And so my, my big question for you, what practice is going to help you abide in Jesus on a daily basis? If we want to grow deep, if we want to grow wide, if you want to grow both, I hope you get to grow in some both ways, you got to be connected to the source. So it's good to learn about this, but I want to give us a chance to practice this. I'm going to have Patrick come up, um, and I'm going to put this verse in the screen where Jesus calls us to abide in him. And I want to give us just a minute for meditation and going to God. You can spend this in a few ways, and I'm going to give you the option because I know we're a culture that likes a lot of options. Um, if you feel like it's going to focus you best to just read this scripture, then what I want you to ask as you're praying on this is, God, what do you want me to see in this? What is it that you want to speak into my life? If you think that the visuals are just going to distract you, I encourage you just to close your eyes. Keep your hands open and just sit there and enjoy being in God's presence. And we're going to do that for about a minute and let God speak to us. How is God inviting you to stay connected to him as we move into this next season? thank you that you love us so much that you wanted to make a way for us to have a fullness of life now. We thank you, Jesus, you make us available, you make yourself available to us and you call us, you invite us in a little bit closer. I pray that you would come and fill us with your spirit and that you would drive us back to you in some regular way. Show us how we can stay connected, how we can abide so that we have the source of life connected to us. We pray this in your name, Jesus.